Welcome to the first part of this two-part series with Hank Arnold. Uh, in this first part, Hank talked with us about the loss of his son um, in a tragic car accident, how he's coped with that, and uh, how he's leaned on his recovery background in order to cope with that and the importance of community. Uh, we hope you enjoy it and look out for part two next week. This is the Freeology Podcast. We are your hosts, Jason Lyle. And I'm Chuck Swenson. The Freeology Podcast is about freeing your mind and your soul from past beliefs that no longer serve you. So why stay stuck? Move forward. Hey everybody, welcome back to the Freeology Podcast. Here tonight, my good friend Chuck Swenson. Hello. And back tonight is the notorious Hank Arnold. I guess you could be notorious, couldn't you? Uh, I've been called that before. I don't know about today, but I'm grateful to be here. We're grateful to have you. Um, Hank has been on episode two. Is back when Hank and his wife Shelly were on, and we talked about Cowie to Force, and uh, which is Force Cowie to Cowie to Force. Cowie to Force. Cowie to Force. You, I get it wrong. No, you got it right this time. Okay, good. Um, and they talked about their recovery community outreach and that program, and we talked a little bit about recovery. And uh, we wanted to have Hank on again tonight um, for several reasons. One, just check in and, and see how life is going. And uh, But also, we're going to talk a little bit about recovery and, and some stigma reduction around recovery, and, and we'll kind of talk about that a little bit. But Hank, kind of catch us up on your life a little bit, how things have been going in the past year since you were on last. I'm trying to think. Has it been? I think it's been a little, little over a year mm-hmm. since I was on, and um, man, a lot happens in a year. Yeah. We've been pretty busy at work and home stuff. Um, so as far as work goes, we've got we've landed three new contracts. We've expanded our staff by a hundred percent, which is great uh, for a independent grassroots nonprofit organization that started with two hundred and seventy dollars five years mm-hmm. ago. You know, I feel like uh, a lot of days I just feel like I'm walking in the light. You know, um, and I'll say this too, um, my prayer when I first got into recovery was, uh, God, if you show me the door, I'll, I'll walk through it. Um, and so he's just been opening the, the doors. And after I walk through a door um, and learn about whichever room I'm in and the capacity of the role that, that I'm in, um, then there's there's more doors. Um, and so um, he has been extremely faithful in in those regards and and extremely blessed through not only just being able to to provide community-based services at no cost but also in my family life like my wife is incredible you know um my 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 kids are incredible and my support network and the people that are in my community are just i say this a lot i'm living the dream i never knew i had you know which is which is incredible um so um, and then I've experienced some loss yeah. this past year. You know, um, we lost my son in a fatal car accident uh, January the 5th. Um, so uh, today is the 4th of April. So it's been three months 
you know, um, 23 year old. I mean, gosh, just the, the best kid, the best kid. And, you know, he had hit some speed bumps between 17, 18 years old and who doesn't at that age. And, you know, we had, um, he was here visiting for Christmas and he was living in Oklahoma doing an HVAC apprenticeship out there. And he was here for three weeks and man, we, we had a great, uh, time with him and with his girlfriend, Riley. And, um, you know, one of the things that is tragic as it is, is that one of the things I can say is there wasn't anything undone in our relationship. There wasn't anything unsaid in our relationship. He knew how much I loved him. And we were probably in the best place we had been in our relationship in his adult life, you know? So, um, but that's hard, man. It's a hard thing. And sometimes when I talk about it, I just cry. And t- today, um, right now, I'm not, you know. But I think what helps me do that, and I've gotten to do this, is that when things remind me of him, I talk about him. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Your grieving process is you're very open about it. And yeah. I've, I've seen that. So, um, yeah, I can't imagine what you've been through, but you you've handled it in a manner that – that shows that that you have this inner thing that's leading you and guiding you. And I I think it's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I mean, and even in this, God has been so faithful, you know, and I hate to sound so cliche. That's okay. (laughs) Right. But the truth of the matter is, is I'm reminded of truths all along the way. And I have great people in my life. You're somebody that I have had conversations with through this difficult time days after and several other people that, are uh are men of god and that uh and that are just great human beings that have reminded me of the truth along the way and uh you know those things have just been like i can see god working i can see god working and i just kind of i hang on to that i that's been the thing that i hang on to the most is you know i don't necessarily always feel god or see god but that is my hope mm-hmm. right is that i can experience god in any circumstance you know, uh, there's a there's a song I like, and and it says uh, I think it's about elevation worship, and it says the uh, the same God that is at the mountaintop is also in the valley. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. And that we're not promised to not have hard times or dark days, but He's still faithful through that stuff, and oh, it's powerful too. You know, to be able to to have that, mm-hmm. um, and that certainly has a lot to do with my grief process. Um, and it has a lot to do with me being able to be open about it. You know, uh, recovery's taught me that I should share that. I should share who I am in my experiences with other people that are close to me. Authenticity is so important in recovery, man. Yep. We were having that conversation before we came on that the minute you start hiding anything in recovery, it, it seems to be like that. It can be that one slippery slope that. Yeah. Well, I don't hide the things that are good. I hide the things that I shouldn't be doing. Right. <laughs> yeah. So there's there's a there's my red flag there. Mm-hmm. But, but I mean, even in the level of, of the grieving process. Right. You know, we, we know that it's not healthy to keep those things in. But sometimes we do. You know, yeah. sometimes we do for fear um, of what somebody might think or say or. But you've not. I mean, you've been very open with that. And that's, yeah. it's been an honor to. To not only be a part of some of those conversations that we got to have, but but also to watch somebody who has a faith that's, you know, real. Yeah. It's it's not contrived or just talked about or it's not a Facebook post. It's something that's real. And we, we had dinner 
you know, together and, and brought it up at dinner. And, you know, you just roll right into talking about it. And yeah. I think that's a beautiful thing. Yeah. I really do. Yeah. And, the, you know, there's there's several uh, couples in my community that have lost children. And so we've done a lot to connect with folks that have lost children in our community. And I see people that kind of walk through it with this grace and this dignity. And I'm like, how do they do that? Yeah. And you know what I did? I asked them. How'd you do that? You know what they did? They told me exactly how they did that and how they still do that. Mm -hmm. You know, I picked up the talking about my son. Anytime somebody comes up and starts talking about, I'm sorry for your loss. And I think, you know, people are well-intended with that. But I can just start talking about who he was as a person and honor him and his memory and who he was and his character through those conversations. And it doesn't have to be, you know, a tough conversation. But um all the time and some days i'm ready to do that and some days i struggle with it so today just happens to be one of those days that i'm in a relatively good place with that it's a devastating thing um to go through yeah and i can't imagine yeah and the the one thing that i you know that i've learned along this journey the last 13 years is that i mean there's so many you know nobody's ever the only person that's ever experienced something horrible you know, and having the ability to connect with other people and to kind of go through that journey together is, I mean, as tragic as it is, it's a good thing to be able to share those experiences. And the one thing I can't do is like turn inward and isolate and get into a really unhealthy place. But that doesn't mean I can't have my days. Yeah. You know, my staff is just like fantastic at two o'clock on a random weekday and I'm just not feeling it and I need to go. Cause it's exhausting too. I'm just like, I need a nap. I'm no good here. And they're yeah. just like, go home, see you tomorrow or whenever you yeah. want to come back in, you know, and they just handle stuff, yeah. which is so cool. Well, you brought it up. So I wanted to ask the question. I wrote it down here. Talk, talk mm -hmm. to us a little bit about, cause you know, a lot of people relapse during times like this and it becomes a bit of a battle in the mind. Um, when, when this happened, what, where did you go in your recovered mind and where did you go in like your, sometimes we as addicts, we need to medicate. What was that journey like? Gosh, you know, I've been living my life the last 13 years, like not running from anything, especially the things that I'm scared of and especially the things that are painful. Uh, so it's kind of like, you know, nobody just gets up off the couch one day and goes to the Olympics and competes. Mm -hmm. You know, there's a lot of practice that goes into that. So essentially, it's like, am I in recovery or am I not? Have I not been like doing this as a lifestyle for consecutive years on end or have I not been, you know? And so one of the things for me, and, you know, it's crazy, it's funny that you bring this up, too, is that the day of his memorial service was my 13-year anniversary. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And I just was so honored by that. And as crazy as that sounds, like I feel like there's no way I would dishonor my son by... And that's where I was at. So like, how selfish for me would that be, not only our other people, because I'm not the only one impacted by his loss, sure. yeah. by his death, and how selfish would it be of me that... Not only are they going through this mourning process and this devastation and this traumatic event, but now they also have to worry about what, what I'm going to do, you know. And so it just really wasn't ever a serious thought. And I had a lot of people just 
check on me in a real respectful way. I had a board yeah. member. I know that you'd asked me, and I had several people like, hey, are you are you okay? Well, that's that hard thing you're talking about, right? Like sometimes we just have to do that even when we're the friend that yeah. has to do that hard thing. Yeah, that and I, to be I appreciate that. Yeah. I appreciate that because, if you know, you never know. Yeah, You never know. And I think for me it was just like I feel like I've been doing that. And I've been through a lot of hard situations in this process, and I feel like – Everything I've been through hard that I've went through the way I needed to go through has prepared me to go through this. Mm. You know, it's so interesting that we're having this conversation. That This is uh, – Drew and I went rode, rode mountain bikes today. Every Tuesday, me and him and Chuck try to get down to Dawson and hit a mountain bike ride. And so we're sitting on the tailgate of his truck, and, you know, Drew's battling Parkinson's. And we sit there, and we started – we're talking about ice baths and breathing and, and you know, riding a mountain bike. And what started the conversation is he, he was trying to get his, his sandal on, and he kept trying to wiggle his foot into it. And he goes – you know, I'm just standing here trying to wiggle my foot in that thing, and all I got to do is lean down there and put my and grab it. And I said, "Yeah, but it's probably good to struggle with those motor skills when you have Parkinson's." And so we started talking about training the brain to do hard things. And when you said that, man, that is, and we just took a group out this past weekend, and when you know, with Adventures in Recovery, and when we're out there, we talk about you know hiking and sleeping outside and getting in the cold water and doing the breathing exercises that we teach and how those are hard things. And in order for us to overcome our addictions, um, and sometimes it's, it's, it's minute addictions, but in order for us to overcome, we have to train the brain to be able to do hard things, don't we? And that's what you're talking about. Like 13 years of doing the work trained you for that when this happened, You, your brain knew what to do. Yeah. And like my heart. Yeah. And my feet. Oh, yeah. All that it's stuff. All connected. Is, yeah, yeah, all that stuff's connected. I mean, none of it lives, you know, in a, in a box separate from the other, mm. you know. Um, but even through the hard times, it was like, you know, there were, there were songs I would listen to that were so encouraging. There were people in my life that were showing up and checking on me. There were people bringing me breakfast. And, you know, you guys were at the, uh, the, at the visitation. I mean, it was like so much love, mm-hmm. so much love and so much support that doesn't change, obviously, the tragedy. But that carries us through in a way that I'm not alone. I don't have to do it alone. You know, not only like God being faithful through the through that experience, but also the people that are in my life that truly care about me and my family are just there. Mm. You know, and I was I celebrate that. I mean, that's a beautiful thing because there was a day I, I didn't have that. There was a day that that wasn't my life, um, and I also can attribute the last thirteen years of my son's life. The, the the measure of, and the depth of our relationship directly correlated with my recovery process. You know, that our, our relationship got a lot better and I was a lot more the dad that he deserved. He was 10. But as he got older, his senior year of high school, he lived with us. So when Shelly and I married, we had all five kids in our house. Mm. She sold her house on Maddox mm-hmm. and we bought a house in Sharpsburg and we were all in brand new territory. And uh, we blended a family of five and started a nonprofit. And <laughs> that's almost the Brady Bunch. Man. I mean, <laughs> that, I mean, we're coming up on our sixth year of marriage, but it seriously does at times feel like 50. 
because of <laughs> everything we've been through. Shelly, he don't mean that. <laughs> no, it feels like 50 for her. <laughs> um, That's and, fair. And, and uh, you know, but I say that a lot. But it's we talk about, my gosh, the last six years have been, they've been great. Um, but we have been through more real-life stuff mm. and the highs and the lows, and we've been able to – you know, I just think like when I got the the news about my son and just kind of walking through that is that um, he was here on and ate lunch with us on Thursday. And he usually leaves late at night and drives all through the night and arrives early in the morning, which I think is just like, that's not the way I would travel, but that's what he does. Right. And uh, he was talking about leaving out on Wednesday and depending upon which route he went, if he went through Montgomery, he was going to stop by my house on the way out and he had ended up going north through Calhoun hmm. was the way he went out. Um, and so I didn't get to see him, uh, as he was driving out, but I had had lunch with him the day before and he was supposed to arrive sometime around seven thirty eight AM on Thursday. <clears throat> and, um, and, and when it got to be nine o'clock and we hadn't heard from him, everybody was freaking out. And I was like, they probably got stopped and got a room or took a nap or it's fine. But his mom literally left work because she knew something was wrong, mm. you know. And uh, so my wife, Shelly, is talking to his mom, Tanya, on the phone when the deputy walks up to her door to give her the news mm. on Thursday morning. And I'm at the office. And uh, my wife calls me and we've we've had a few conversations about, you know, we checked his Instagram and, you know, his activity on social media just wasn't there. Nobody was answering text or phone calls. And so it was it was a little strange. And my wife called me and I, I can tell she's in the car because the motor's like revving. And she's like, walk outside. And I was like, what is it? And she was like, um, just walk outside. And I said, I can't hear what comes next. I, I I can't handle what what you're about to tell me because I knew what she was about to say and I could tell by how she was driving she never drives like that and um it's just like you know then it all starts it's like unreal it's like the most unreal thing that your brain can't comprehend and um and so she came to the office and it was just like. And I told my wife, I could not imagine going through this without you, you know, just like who she is as a person and how she loves and supports me and all the kids. And it was it was just like, I'll never forget that. I will never, ever, ever forget that conversation and just the reality of that hitting like my son, you know, Um and then it also makes me like so grateful for like back in June, I had two conferences in June and my whole June was booked. But I had three days between I had a conference I was attending, had a conference I was presenting at, a, a state conference. But I had three days and I just booked a flight and went and visited my son mm. in Oklahoma. Man, three whole days, man, just me and him. And it was freaking awesome. <laughs> you know, I rented an Airbnb that had a pool and the homeowner like lived in the front, but he was going on vacation. And we just, we just hung out and ate and went to museums and talked and he played his music and, you know, he picked me up from the airport and we just had the whole three days. And it just makes me so grateful to have that time. And I never do something like that. And it was like, you know, all the little things, man, that I can just look back on and just be like, thank God, you know, that 
that our relationship was where it was at. And, um, but you know, that day, I'll just never forget, um, that day and that news and just like how long it took for it to really sink in. Cause I was like, are you sure? I just kept saying, are you yeah. sure? Yeah. Are we positive? You know, are we a hundred percent sure? Um, you know, but, um, but I look at like my relationship with my wife and with my family and just like what that did for our family to be together through that time. And for my girls that are, have already moved out of the house that just dropped everything and just came home. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That we have that home. And my home wouldn't feel like that without Shelly. Yeah. Shelly has created that space for our family and she and, and just and just who she is yeah. and how she does stuff and just how nurturing she is. One of the things I took from your our conversations even early on was like this. Uh, I won't say you had no regrets, but they weren't many, you know, and yeah. I think that's a if somebody's listening to this podcast, man, that's one of the biggest things I took out of your story. And when my mom was diagnosed with cancer, I went by there every single day, yeah. every single day to the day that she passed away, because you know, it's really easy to wake up one morning and it's done. Yeah. You know, one of the things that I, when I stood up and spoke at a service, one of the things that I that was really on my heart that I did not say just because I was like in whatever moment I was in was that, man, if, if there's a relationship that's important to you, regardless of which side of the relationship you've been wronged or you were the person that did wrong, freaking make it right mm -hmm. today. Today, like make it right today. Yeah. And there's not one situation or circumstance that if somebody's important to you, that you they shouldn't know, they shouldn't question their importance in your life, yeah. you know? Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. It's made me want to just care about people more. Yeah. And it's made me want to like have a different relationship with, with, with my other four daughters mm -hmm. in a way that it's about the relationship, you know, whether I approve of what you're doing or not. And, you know, being a parent and trying to influence, and that's tricky with teenagers, you know. But um, one of the things I committed to, I was at a men's retreat last weekend at Indian Springs with about 50 men, and we were camping out. And one of the meetings is always um, – we do it every six months. And uh, one of the meetings was, what are you going to commit to doing in the next six months? And mm -hmm. so one of the things I, I, I recommitted to doing was date night with my, with, with a daughter individually once a month, mm -hmm. you know, date night with my daughter, with a daughter individually once mm -hmm. a month. And, um, and, and my kids enjoy that. They talk about, wow, we haven't done that in two or three years, that'd be really cool. Cause I always appreciated like our time together. Yeah. You know, that sort of stuff. Yeah. Um, so, um, as tragic as things are, I just really appreciate like what's in our home and my wife and our family for just being able to come together and just like love on one another. As you've moved through this, this process as hard as it's been, what, but what are some things that, that as you walk through it, you have, maybe falling into place in your mind where you go, man, I, I really need to give more attention to that. And I really don't need to stress as much about that. Well, I think so much of like starting a nonprofit, you know, it's 24 seven. It's even if I'm not at work, putting in the hours, my mind is there on relationships and opportunities and funding. And, you know, so it's been like when I'm home, being at home, mm -hmm. um, if I really don't have anything pressing at five o'clock, I leave the office mm -hmm. and whatever's not, Whatever's unresolved, I leave it on my desk 
to the right of my keyboard. And guess what? It'll Steeler. be there. Nobody comes and does it. <laughs> it won't get, it'll be there. Right. Yeah. So is it really that important? And like being home for dinner and being present for dinner, um, um, having some more boundaries with my availability on my phone yeah. when I'm not at work and that I can be available, but I, but I'm not, I can't be all things to all people. Yeah. Right. And that the quality of my personal life and my relationships and my family have to be a priority. Yeah.